Wealthmanagement.com presents Success Zone, a podcast dedicated to bringing financial advisors sweeping insights beyond the market headlines to help them become more savvy about the industry, transform their practice, enhance their marketing skills, and take their business to the next level. Listen in for a wealth of information that includes remarkable success stories and expert advice from the industry's key players and most successful and skilled financial professionals. Welcome to part two of the three-part series that we're doing with Wells Fargo. Over these three podcasts, we will answer some of the most pressing questions advisors have about buying, selling, and transitioning their practice. I'm your host, Matt Hallern, and today we will talk again remotely as the stay-at-home orders are still in place about continuity planning and what planning to finish well means with John Williamson and Dennis Leininger. Well, guys, This is the most interesting thing I can think of because we set the stage in the first podcast, but now we're going to start diving in a lot more deeply into planning to finish well. Let's begin by setting the stage as we did in the first podcast. What is a continuity plan and why is it so important when you're planning to finish well? I was reminded some time ago as to the importance of continuity planning when I received a call over a weekend from one of our business owners and he was preparing for a surgical event the following week. And his question to me was, will I, will our firm take care of his practice and his clients and protect his estate if that procedure hit a snag and something unexpected happened? Very difficult question to be thinking about as a business owner over a weekend, and certainly something that can be solved for, ideally, by having a written continuity plan in place. It really hit home with me, and we've been focused on continuity plan adoption ever since. And this is Dennis Leninger. This is something I'm very passionate about because every year it seems as though we have two, three, or four life events where we lose a business owner. And there is certainly a big swing in how things go, whether or not there is an existing continuity plan or nothing put in place. Simply put, to me, it's both a living will or guardianship for your clients, and it's a disability plan to make sure your clients are taken care of as well as your family. It can also serve as a succession plan in the event of a triggering event and should be very well laid out. Dennis, follow-up question on that. You just said triggering event. What does that mean? It can be an extended leave of absence, whether it's a long vacation, uh, disability, short-term or long-term, or, of course, death. Well, those were kind of depressing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and exactly why you need to have a continuity plan. Where do I start, guys? This is, seems like a humongous process. What is step one? Where do we begin? Understanding options that are available to you today and the conversations that we have with business owners at a high level are you can establish a continuity plan if you have a partner already in your practice. You can establish a continuity plan with another independent advisor within your broker dealer. They don't have to be in the same community where you're doing business today. And interestingly enough, you can establish a continuity plan with a third party specialty firm where you've directly authorized that company to take your practice to market and sell it 
if there is that triggering event. So there's decisions to make, but it's very straightforward to put a plan in place. It should be in writing, and you can even have a local attorney create the document for you. To me, really pretty simple, actually. I would say it would begin with a conversation with your broker-dealer to see how they support the effort. With Wells Fargo, it would be with John Williamson to discuss the various aspects of the plan and how to get started. I may be brought into the conversation at that point. I think it's very important. The average person doesn't know what continuity plan means. Sometimes it gets confused with guardianship and sometimes it gets confused with a succession plan. And the truth is a really good continuity plan takes both of those things and combines them into one document. Well, you just teed me up for my next question there, Dennis. What are the components that need to go into this continuity plan? The triggering events should be listed, as we talked about in the first question, so that you know when it's going to be active, designated who your continuity partner is going to be, the term of the agreement, and how it can either be extended or terminated, a definition of the roles for the guardian, if you will, the continuity partner, and what they're going to do in the event that there is a triggering event, that the clients are going to be taken care of until such a time, and what that responsibility is for how long of a period. Also compensation to the guardian that's going to get paid from the seller to the guardian and what the seller will receive. That's the disability part of this plan. What's the rules of engagement for them to come back into the practice and disengage with the guardian? And if the client can't come back in at that point, then what happens next? Is it, does the guardian take care of the business until a seller is found, or is there a sale aspect of the continuity plan? Oftentimes there are. Usually it's a write-out sale, and the structure for that sale and how evaluation would be achieved would be included, or it could be a first option to buy as well. How do I find this continuity partner? This seems like a very deep question. Where does one even begin? And this might be one of the bigger stumbling blocks for advisors early in the process as they consider. I mean, number one, it's not the most exciting topic for them to think about, right? And, and then it, it would involve, ideally, some networking with other advisors within their broker-dealer to identify potentially a continuity partner. We support that networking at our firm. I know other broker-dealers offer the same services to get advisors playing in traffic with one another to understand if there can be resources for them. But identifying a continuity partner is going to take work. And it could be something simply as getting on the phone and introducing yourself and sharing what it is you're looking for. Interestingly enough, many practices within our network have used the continuity conversation as a way to have local business conversations with other practices. They will contact them and share that they are providing continuity services. They're interested in having a business conversation with those practices if they need a continuity partner and it's a way that they're starting the conversation in, in, in an effort to network in their local marketplace. 
And I would just add to that that starting with your broker-dealer again, and in our case, John Williamson, because he's aware of these various business owners and oftentimes can come up with a name just knowing their, their circumstance. Perhaps they're looking for a continuity partner at the same time, and it could be a reciprocal type of a, an agreement is another way to do it. If there's a, a number of clients in a location other than where the person seeking a, a continuity partner is located, perhaps we would look in that location that would make sense because those clients could be serviced since there's going to be probably some travel involved regardless. And then Finet is very proactive in creating opportunities for advisors and their network to get together and get to know one another and to network and to address this issue. So the topic is being driven constantly to people for consideration. Do you have a resource of what questions advisors should ask about a continuity plan? And what should they be looking for? Is it quantitative, qualitative? Could you guys dive into that a little bit more deeply? Happy to. And this is often one of the areas where advisors tend to think more deeply about it than is probably warranted in some cases. Having a plan done is better than having it be perfect. So the businesses don't have to overlap completely. There doesn't need to be an exact match of business philosophy and personality between the advisors. It's important to be in the general proximity, but not an exact match. And so you get to know the advisor, you get to know the business, what they do for their very best clients is obviously important. An example would be, it would make sense to identify a nobody partner if, for example, one of them takes discretion with client portfolios and the other does not take discretion. That's not a good functional match, for example. But there's plenty of ways that you can get comfortable with someone in general, with a practice in general, understand what they do for clients. And if it's close to the services that the other advisor is currently providing, then it probably makes sense to have other conversations. We make those introductions when we can, and we arrange for uh, professional development and training opportunities that get advisors together to talk about the subject, and that way they're all uh, in a room together learning, and they can make introductions in those meetings as well. Let's talk about some of the legalities involved. Is there a non-compete component of the agreement? What am I missing here from a legal standpoint? There's definitely a non-compete, and there can even be a hold harmless, if you will, as far as the guardians work with that practice, and that's often a stumbling block in terms of understanding what they're responsible for and liable for. But those are things that are important part of any continuity plan, for, so it's a good working document. As far as anything else, this is very much like a contingent buy-sell agreement between partners. It is an agreement, it is a contract, if you will, to say it's a unilateral contact that if these events occurs, then you will provide this service. Any attorney with maybe a little coaching, and that's a part of what I do as well as work with clients' attorneys to help fill in the nuances of, of our industry so that they can create these things. 
or there are some excellent third-party providers that also do this as part of their services that can create these documents and even some of the terms of them. Do I need to have my practice valued before I get involved with finding a continuity partner? We strongly encourage all business owners to go through the valuation process. We like to see it annually. And just because of situations like this, but we also think that it's a huge opportunity to learn about their equity that they are building and how to purposely grow it. So we do encourage that. If for some reason there isn't a valuation with this continuity plan or it's an older one, then the continuity plan really needs to create a guide forward on how a valuation will be created in a timely manner and who's going to perform that. And then how does that relate to a sale price and the sales structure if, again, that's part of the continuity plan? So reacting to several recent life events that we've experienced in our network over the last year, one of the first things that we're looking for in our system is, is there a continuity plan and was there a valuation done at some, some point in time over the last 12 months? And all of the situations are emotional, all of them are different, but it generally goes a lot better from a time and execution standpoint when there are both of those items in place, valuation and the continuity plan itself. And if you think about it, the plan and the valuation work together because if the business needs to be sold, if there's no valuation to reflect on, then that effort is starting from scratch. If there's a valuation in place from an accredited third party that we have on file, we're probably going to go to that firm first to see if they can update the valuation given the current circumstances. It saves time and candidly time is of the essence because at the end of the day, if there is that triggering event, then clients will ultimately make the decision to move on if there's no plan in place for them to continue to get the services that they need. Along with some of the other legalities that we've talked about here and the valuation of the practice, is there usually an option to buy the continuity partner? Usually it, it contains either a direct purchase if something were to happen or a first option. But depending on the circumstance of the person who wants their practice protected, it may just be for guardian services alone. Perhaps they have a younger FA uh, within their practice that they really want to have buy the practice, but they don't feel that necessarily that person is prepared today to take care of the clients or would be overwhelmed by them. So again, it, it's kind of situational. Do I use my continuity partner as part of a buy-sell life insurance policy? You can. I think that the deciding factor in that instance would be, are you sure that this continuity partner is also your succession plan? And then you can go ahead and create a life insurance policy around that. I know several people do. So it really just depends on what you think your plans are. And if that's also something that your continuity partner, if they are very interested in acquiring your practice, they very definitely might say, okay, look, at this would give us a leg up on this, provide the money to your estate more quickly, 
yes, let's go ahead and do this and we'll be willing to pay for it or work it through the agreement so that your firm pays for it. Do I tell my clients who my partner is? Is this required? And if so, when do I tell them that I have a continuity plan in place? We think it's a best practice to share with clients that you have a plan in place to take care of you and take care of them in the unlikely event that something happens to you. In our view, you don't have to go through every last detail of who the partner is, the nuances of the plan, the triggering events, all the other components we've been discussing here today. But an idea potentially is to make mention of it at regularly scheduled uh, portfolio meeting reviews, whether they're every six months or every year, just those regularly scheduled meetings of clients, you put it on the agenda, business announcements. And in that section of the agenda where you're meeting with clients, you just make mention that you have a plan in place, that it's been hand selected by you as the advisor, it's for the unexpected. It's going to take care of you and take care of them as a client. And it's something candidly that you look at and review every year to two years. And you wanted them to be aware that you've got a plan in place for the unexpected. And if I could hitchhike on that, first of all, I think it's a selling point to your clients that you care enough about them to make sure that there's a path forward in case you can't continue. Oftentimes in those discussions, I think it brings out to the clients, you know what, I really need to put together a living will, or I'm glad you said that, I need to do something with this. And it, it benefits you to go deeper into your relationship with the clients. I believe you should also tell them that our staff knows who this is, and also Wells Fargo knows. So uh, there's not going to be any problem when something happens other than to me, <laughs> because it'll be happening to me, but it, it should be uh, position you very, very well to go forward and make sure that you're well taken care of. I've been surprised in talking with advisors, how often their clients ask them that question. Do you have a continuity plan in place? If something does happen, how am I going to be taken care of? So do you have any resources that you can help our listeners not only have the conversation with their existing clients, but also to help them find and plan for this continuity? I would add that if the clients aren't asking about the continuity plan adoption, they're certainly thinking about it. Yeah, I would say virtually all clients, it's crossed their minds. So it's certainly an important consideration the Finish Well program is something that we put in place several years ago, which is the people, the process, the resources that are in place to help advisors within our network when they're ready to work less, then retire, and thus finish their career well. So there's consulting, there's third-party resources. Dennis Leninger and his company is a prime example of those resources. We help advisors, when it comes to continuity, assess and understand what their options are today. Are they part of a team? Are they a solo practitioner? Have they ever gotten evaluation before? And if not, probably makes sense to consider doing that. What other resources do they have in place today to network? Do they need our help networking with other advisors to find a continuity partner? 
those are some of the things that we can help advisors assess in our consulting. Dennis, closing thoughts? Again, to me, this is a cap project type of a thing. I've built four businesses and have sold three of them. I'm at retirement age, even though I'm never going to retire. But I do think about my employees and my family and making sure that there is a path forward for them. Advisors not having something like this is very much akin to uh, the plumber's faucet at home always leaks because they never get to it. And advisors need to take a look at this. It doesn't take that long. It's not cost prohibitive. It's something that should be revisited annually just to make sure that it's still in play, that it's well communicated to their attorney, a copy of it with or will. The spouse knows, a key member of the staff knows, and of course, Wells Fargo or the broker-dealer has a copy of it as well. This is just the smart thing to do, and it's part of your disability plan, as well as, I said, the succession or, or living will for your business. Well, Dennis and John, thank you so much for this part two of the three-part series where we're diving into buying, selling, and transitioning your practice. Thanks for being on today. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of wealthmanagement.com. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by wealthmanagement.com. The content has been made available for information and educational purposes only. Wealthmanagement.com does not make any representation or warranties with respect to accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the content or of any sites listed or linked to the content. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service with any questions you have regarding your investment planning.